Hello and welcome to Courage for Pain, Stories of Hope podcast. I'm Becky Curtis. I'm the founder, chronic pain survivor, and CEO of Take Courage Coaching, where we empower people to escape the grip of pain. Today in episode number four, we will be talking to Jim Brown, a retired minister who suffered with shoulder pain for 18 years. Welcome, Jim. We're so glad to have you here, and we want to hear your story of hope today. Wow. Um, man, it, uh, it dates back for sure. I had uh, a surgery that went awry. I had a, a water skiing accident and a, and a rock climbing accident that ripped my uh, rotator cuff completely out. So I had a surgery to repair that. And um, after that surgery, which was successful, I was left in horrible pain in my back, my upper back. And despite the fact that I would talk to my doctors about it, they all said, this is normal. This is normal recovery. Um, you know, it should disappear in three months, then it disappear in six months. And they said, well, now, well, after a year, it will certainly be gone. And uh, after two years, I started to really despair. I went to other doctors that said, oh, he made a mistake. You could sue him. Um, he really messed up your spine. And so um, I had a, um, a foraminotomy on my, uh, the front of my spine. Actually, I'm sorry, the back first. Um, that was going to be a 95% success rate that we could clear this up with that surgery. Um, that didn't work. So I had to have another surgery on the other side of my neck. And they said, this is a 95% chance we can resolve this. That didn't work. And so um, none of the neurological pain that I had, shooting pain down my arm as well, none of that uh, was changing. So, you know, three surgeries, a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of promises, I started to really despair um, a lot. Uh, it's hard for me to even think of those days because this went on and on and on. And I knew a lot of people. The ministry I had was large, and we had a lot of connected people that would connect me with various doctors and medical professionals who would suggest this and that and test after test after test, and nothing helped. And finally, I, I, I just said, I can't live like this. I just can't live like this. And I started really praying that God would take my life, and I didn't want to pray that. And, but I, I thought there's, there's no solution here. There's no way that I can go on. I can't go on like this. I can't keep living like this. And, and, and I was, I felt ashamed because I was a minister. So I thought I, I shouldn't feel this way. I was ashamed because my life was really blessed. I had three kids that are amazing and a wife that's amazing and a life that was great. And I felt like I had a charmed life except for this pain and the, the the fact was though i mean just being honest i i couldn't picture myself living at all i just didn't want to live i remember getting on airplanes and and praying that the airplane would crash because i i didn't want to live and you know normally ministers are on the airplane they're praying praying, praying for the safety of everybody on the flight you know and here i'm praying the opposite um, my sister, who's a nurse practitioner, said, I, I want you to talk to somebody. And she's a, a pain coach. 
And I thought, what can a pain coach do with me? I, I don't need coaching. I need the pain gone. She goes, well, that's not how it works, but she's been very successful with patients that I've had. And I want you to talk to her. And so I agreed. And of course it's Becky. So I agreed to sit down with Becky and I basically, I don't know what I said, but I basically dumped and unloaded everything. And, um, everything Becky shared with me that day, it, it made sense intellectually in some ways, but mostly I couldn't picture it. I, I couldn't picture how coaching would help me. I couldn't picture how, um, some of the strategies that she was sharing with me would actually help me. And they seemed so far off and I just wanted a lever. I wanted a pill. I wanted a solution. I wanted something, but I also knew at the same time that everything I had tried didn't work. It failed and conventional medicine had failed and there were, there was nowhere else to go. Um, so Finally, I decided this is my last shot. This is, you know, this is the shot God is giving me, I guess. So I decided to sign up for the program. And in every step was a tiny baby step. It was, again, it made sense intellectually, but emotionally, it was so hard for me to catch up to it. So I needed a lot of encouragement. And I love the title, Take Courage Coaching, because that became, to me, my lifeline. I felt basically so discouraged from the pain. Everyday battling pain was so discouraging to me that the courage that I got from Becky and the coaching um, it gave me another day and another day. And slowly I started to, to see the results and uh, just even starting with the diaphragm breathing. And I'm like, okay, well that's working. The diaphragm breathing is working. And, and so little by little by little, and it took a long time. I started to see results. I started to get hope and I'm like, okay, this, this could actually work. It could actually work. Did the pain go away? No. It didn't, but I could handle every day better because I had encouragement and I had hope. And I, I thought that I, I thought all my hope had been taken away. I thought I'll never hope again. And through the strategies that I learned through Take Courage Coaching, I started to hope again, even though the pain was still there, I started to hope again. And then over time, that hope, I, this is how I see it, that hope lowered my pain experience so that the pain wasn't as pronounced. The pain wasn't as big a deal. The pain, now you're making me emotional. <laughs> and um, that, you know, uh, if this keeps it up, if, if, if this continues, you know, going in the direction it's going, this, this is good. I, Becky shared with me how for her, 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 pain experience you know the just the levels of pain would decreased because of the strategies that she had learned and the strategies she was passing on to others and so that's what i saw is that yes these strategies worked it it took time it took courage um to do them because 
a lot of me didn't, a lot of me wanted to give up, but I got the courage and I said, no, we're going to keep doing this. And, um, so I'm just so grateful because there was no other place to turn. And I'm like, wow, this has really worked. My life is so different. I still have the pain, but the pain doesn't have me. (laughs) I wake up, I go to bed, I feel it, but it's so different. My level of pain has dropped consistently from, it was a 7.5 continually, then it dropped finally to a seven, then it dropped to a six, and then it dropped to a five. And now, now it's like a two. And I, I, as Becky explained to me about uh, neuroplasticity and how the brain changes itself, and of course, there's a book on this, so the brain that changes itself. So I read the book, and I'm like, okay, this has worked for other people. Um, if it's worked for all these other people, it can work for me. What, what has been proven to work in all these other cases, there's no reason it can't work for me. I just need to believe. I just need to embrace. I just need to have the courage to do this and to put this stuff into practice. And, and so it did. And so I say to people when they say, well, what changed you? (laughs) I say, well, my brain changed. Mm -hmm. My brain changed. It rewired itself. And how did that happen? I said, through coaching. I mean, everybody's different. I need coaching. Everybody's different. I need encouragement. And the Take Courage coaching gave me the courage. It gave me the encouragement. It gave me the practicals. It showed me what can happen. And it worked. And I am so grateful. And I am doing well. And I, no one knows I'm in pain anymore. I used to talk about it. Every sermon, I'd cry because I'd be in so much pain. It would be so emotional. And people have no idea what I've been through that meet me. And, uh, and I don't even feel like sharing it, you know, I mean, Hey, if it comes up, that's great. But for people that are in pain, I share it with everybody. I have to Uh, tell you, Jim, um, we're on a zoom call. We can see each other. And, um, I've been really emotional during this because you were one of my very first clients. Um, I guess you know that. And I, I practiced on you my terrible coaching skills <laughs> it was so good <laughs> but we've improved things so much um you know you you uh, you were very kind in uh, i'm i'm very glad this was helpful to you um because we were at the beginning of something that has continued to evolve into something really beautiful for people and it's because of people like you um, you know, who allowed me to practice on them and, and see what kinds of things, you know, I knew what was working for me, but it was really neat. Um, that first group of clients, um, you and Kendi Anderson, she's now one of our coaches. Um, you guys allowed me to coach you and Delisa, um, Bollinger. And we, we learned so much as we did that. And it's, it, it was so neat to watch you go from praying that the plane would crash to really living life. And that was just so rewarding. And it's, it's really neat to see you now. What is it? 10 years later, 11 years later, still doing well. <laughs> um, so you told us a little bit about your life. 
um, as, as you were in the depths of pain. Tell us a little bit about what you do now, you know, 11 years out, what kind of tools do you use on a daily basis? What do you just pull out for a stressful time? Yeah, well, meditation is big. Okay. Um, definitely daily meditation. But I think the thing beyond the meditation uh, that's even more powerful for me is just reminders of truth. Um, I remember one of the things that you had said to me, and I, I needed to hear these truths. It wasn't what I wanted to hear, but it was things I needed to hear. Things like I would say to you, I can't do this. And you would say, well, you have been doing it for how many years now? <laughs> so, so that's not true that you can't. You just might not want to, but <laughs> let's not true. that so, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So I, so that still helps me. I mean, those basic, basic things that you taught me, and even though you're sharing with me that you were practicing on me, they, they all, all worked for me perfectly. They, they just were exactly what I needed to hear. And so I still use those same tools. Is this true? You know, I'm feeling like I can't do this or I can't go on or I can't do this activity or I don't want to feel a certain way or something. And I'm like, is that true? No, no, no. What's true is I can continue to wire my brain and this is a process and I'm still not where I'm going to be, but I'm getting there. And then what's really helped me also is just when I've had other surgeries, like I had a terrible ski accident three years ago and I was able to put the same uh, tools into practice with the, you know, the truths and the meditation and um, and, and the confidence to know that this was going to be different. And so those are all things that I do on a daily basis, the meditation, the truth speaking, uh, the, the knowing how other people are, are doing better too. And I'm going to fit into that category. Um, these have all been very, very helpful tools for me on a daily basis. I remember you calling me after a anniversary trip and a house fire. Would you mind telling people about your experience with those two things? Yeah, I'm not, yeah, I mean, not, not quite sure with the anniversary, what I shared with you um, about the misery of the anniversary. (laughs) (laughs) You shared with me about your two week trip and that it, that you wouldn't have been able to do it earlier, but you were able to have a really neat trip and, right i'll let let you tell it (laughs) right maybe there was some misery too i don't know (laughs) well no the misery the misery was the fears so i had all these fears building up to this trip like will i be able to do this and it was a 20 uh an important cruise that we were doing and it was our 20th anniversary i guess and i thought can i do this i was so scared i was so nervous um, and I thought I'm going to waste all this money, you know, doing this trip. I'm going to be miserable the whole time. <laughs> and, um, but I wasn't, it was amazing. I just, again, continue to just focus on truth and this is solid and this is going to work. And we had a great time. We had a really, really good time. It was, it was, my pain levels were so much lower. And I thought, you know, focus is a big deal. If I'm focused on me all the time, 
that's not good. But if I'm focused on my wife and having fun and enjoying and being out there and just risking it, I think that that was the thing that made the difference for me is just, I need to take this risk and spend the money and go out and do this and live and, and be this. And it, it really was huge. Uh, during the, the house fire, we, um, in 13, so yeah, in 13, I was with my daughter at home and someone I was training in the ministry, someone I was mentoring. And all of a sudden, um, you know, we realized the house was on fire. And so I quickly got my daughter out and um, we were able to get everybody out safely, but the house burned. It didn't burn to the ground, but it did burn. And, you know, again, all my pain flared up, all the stress and all of that flared up. And I thought, no, I can't let this get me. I've got to go back to the principles that I've been taught and that I learned. And so when flare-ups happen, I remind myself of things like this. Well, what did I do during the house fire? Well, what did I do during the anniversary trip? Well, what, you know, and just remembering these points, these touchstones of time that I can go back to, to, to remember the journey I've been on, what has worked and the journey I am on. Well, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. So are there things that you still struggle with? Yeah, I think that the biggest struggle is that the pain will come back the same way it did, or that um, I'm going to go through another round of this that, that for instance, um, with my ski injury, um, I think that, that was a huge flare-up. Um, I injured my foot, and I was in a wheelchair, crutches, and I walk back in a wheelchair, back on crutches. I couldn't walk for a long time, and so I went back into a, into a period where I was really doubting again, mm-hmm. um, and it was really hard. At the same time, I was going through a depression. Um, I wasn't sleeping, so I was like, my my therapist called it PSTD. I'm sorry, P- all of a sudden, post-traumatic stress PTSD. Syndrome. Yeah, <laughs> you um, got it. <laughs> that I've been through like a war because I wasn't sleeping. They said soldiers that don't sleep this happens, and so I broke down. I had a complete emotional broke breakdown, three of them in a row, and I was so scared I was going to fall back into the exact same patterns, the exact same despair that I had before. And I was mad. Um, but again, I got your coaching, take courage coaching, got a great coach. And, um, it wasn't like the first time you had a little refresher course, didn't you? It was a refresher course. I needed a refresher course. I needed to go back and do that. I needed to hear these truths again. And then all the things that you've added to the program were really helpful to me too. Um, so I wasn't just fighting a physical pain battle. Now I was fighting a mental pain battle and a physical pain battle. But again, the, the program worked really well, and I have continued to put all that into practice. So the fears now are the same thing. It's like, is this going to happen again? Am I going to have a huge flare-up again, another breakdown again? But, you know, it's like, okay, I've been through this twice now. I know I can get through it again. Um, and I'm grateful to be retired. So 
I know that there are boundaries that I have to keep. And we retired early because I realized that the stress was really starting to get to me. I also went through an open heart surgery a few months with the chronic pain from my foot and the mental breakdown that I had and all that stress. Then we had a ministry merge and the ministry merge was going very Can you rough. start um can you start over again with the open heart surgery cuz you broke up a little bit there? And just say, I also had an open heart surgery, and then we'll edit yeah. out that last little bit. Yeah, so <laughs> what, what happened, after my ski accident, we had a, a, a merge of two ministries, and that was very, very difficult. It was two completely different families of ministries merging together, and I wasn't really thriving in that situation. I, I wasn't doing my best. It wasn't even the best for the group, but I was putting a lot of pressure on myself. So then I wasn't sleeping then I had this huge mental breakdown, uh, three mental breakdowns. And then after that, I had, um, well, what happened was I was starting to exercise again because I hadn't been able to walk for a year, a year and a half. So I was starting to exercise again. And I was starting to notice tightness in my throat uh, when I was uh, climbing uh, hills. And I started swimming again. And I noticed tightness in my throat swimming. And I thought, that's odd because I'm not out of breath. So why should I be? feeling tightness there. So I went to cardiologist. The cardiologist said, you need to go to the hospital right now. And I said, why? He goes, you've got blockages. I go, I haven't even had a stress test. He said, yeah, you did. You just described to me your stress test. You swam laps. You had this pain. You were climbing up a hill. You had this pain. So I, I went to the hospital. They did an angiogram. They said, we're not releasing you. You're having open heart surgery. I said, why? Oh. They said, you've got blockages. I said, what blockages? They showed me on the the angiogram. I had the Widowmaker. Wow. I, I had no idea. So I didn't have a heart attack, but I had open heart surgery. They had to open me completely up. Um, and but in the hospital, I thrived because I I thought I've been down this road. I know what to do here. This is a recovery. So I was walking the next day. I was walking a mile two days later. Wow. Out of open heart surgery. In the hospital, of course, because I was in the hospital. But I was doing laps around the huge hospital in New York City. I was just doing laps. So um, I thought, again, it's the coaching because I would have been a mess. I mean, people were astonished at the hospital. How can you be recovering so quickly? And isn't this painful? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I know been what there. to do with pain. Been there, done that. Been there, done that. Old story. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So you were using your tools even in the hospital. Oh yeah, yeah. And I told everybody about it. I said, "Yeah, you're, you know, you got, you're, you're meditating. You can do this. I know what I'm doing. I'm changing my brain. I'm rewiring my brain into a different direction, um, and just knowing it's going to work. You know. So my emotions. The thing that I, feel, I, I, I catch myself all the time is my emotions will want to panic. My emotions will like, oh no, you're getting a flare up, or oh no, this pain. And, and this, this constant, you know, and, and I'm like, no, 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 no. What's the truth? What, what's happening here? No, no, it's not going to, it's not going to control me. I'm going to decide here how I process this information and what I've done in the past is going to work now as well. So and it sounds like you're thing. using a lot of reframing, you're reframing your negative thoughts and calming your amygdala by reframing those fearful, anxious thoughts to 
I got this. I'm going to do yes. this. Yes. And adding med- meditation and breathing from the diaphragm and exercise. So I remember when we started, I hope it's okay if I ask this question. <clears throat> you had a lot of trouble with sleep. Yeah. How is sleep now? It's much better. It really is. I think that as, yeah, I, and I've gone through periods, of course, where there was not good sleep. Um, at the moment, it's great. Um, we, you know, in retiring, selling our house, there was a period of time where I wasn't sleeping as well there. You know, there are stressful times that come up where I'll wake up in the middle of the night and won't get back to sleep for an hour or two. It happens. Mm-hmm. But, but again, I'm not, I don't panic. It's like, wait a minute. I know what's going on here. This isn't, this isn't a problem. This and I, just let me just rest. Thing, right? Let me just rest. I'm just going to rest then. And then I just rest. And then eventually I might fall asleep again. And if I need to take a nap the next day, I take a nap. And it's the more you train your brain to reframe, uh, reframe and, and that it's okay, the less panicked you're going to be, the more you're going to sleep. And so, you know, I, I see this as a journey and I'm not at the end point yet, but I'm on the road and I'm making progress and it's getting easier and it's getting better. So I'm, I'm just not going to panic. I'm not going to go there. I remember when I had my accident and my pain journey, the nighttime was just the worst time for me because I couldn't sleep and I'd get so anxious because I couldn't sleep. I was taking a whole handful of pills to try to get to sleep. And then I'd sleep for three or four hours. And then I'd wake up in the middle of the night, watch that wonderful middle of the night TV, you know, (laughs) advertisements for pillows and such. But, (laughs) you know, it's just, uh, it was just such a stress point because I wanted to be awake during the day. Not only that, but it's so hard to use your brain to manage your pain when you haven't slept all night or when you've slept three hours Uh, And then you were up for five hours. And to me, sleep is one of the neatest rewards of learning the tools for pain. Being able to sleep through burning nerve pain from the neck down. I go in there and if I've been active during the day and if I've calmed myself at night, I just don't have any trouble. And then like you say, when you do have trouble, it's not this panic like this is the end of the world. Oh, great. Now I'm never going to sleep. It's just Tonight, I'm struggling with sleep. Take yeah. a nap tomorrow, and then, you know, the next day, it'll be fine. But um, it's, it's think, really you know, freeing, isn't it? It is freeing, and, and there's a plan. Yes. So I wake up in pain, or I can't get to sleep. I do the breathing. Right. And then there's so many different meditations. I do them, so too. So I'll try different meditations, like I'll focus on a word like grace or I'll, I'll pray through a psalm, um, or I'll just pray through my prayer list. Unfortunately, with my prayer list, I get all revved up in prayer. It's like, yeah, I'm going to pray for you know <laughs> this person and that person and this, and this thing. So I get all revved up. So that's probably not the best thing. So, But I'll do a psalm. I, I like scripture memory, um, and I'll just go through those scriptures. But a lot of the time, it'll be a word, hope. It'll just be breathing through that, that word. And just, so I'll do two hours of breathing. And again, I, I'm tempted to be frustrated. It's like, this isn't working. 
I've been breathing two hours. It's not working. (laughs) But again, it's that the courage, it's having the courage to continue to do what's right, even if you don't see results in two hours. It's like making me feel relaxed just hearing about it. (laughs) (laughs) And I know that you and so many others, we're all in the same boat together. We're all doing this. We're all waking up. And if we can't get to sleep, we're all doing our breathing and we're doing that deep diaphragm breathing. And whether I count the breaths or not, whether I focus on a word or not, whether I pray or not, I just change it up and, you know, tomorrow's another day and let's see what happens. And I've been down this road before, so we're going to keep going. I think the biggest fear is definitely the biggest fear is to go back mentally, emotionally, where I was when I first came to you, um, where I didn't want to live. And I can say to you that since I started the program, that's never happened. I have never gone back to that point. That's so good to hear, Jim. That I have not. Yep. uh, It makes it all worth it, what we do. It makes it all worth it. It makes it all worth it. It's like. For one person. And, you know, when when you change it for one person, it's not just for that one person. It's for their three kids and their wife and their congregation and their friends and their family, you know, their extended family. And, you know, I think about where my kids life was when I was laying in the back room, highly medicated and not doing life compared to when you get out of that back bedroom, you get off those medications that aren't working and you start using some of the tools that are working and the difference it makes, not just for me, but for the whole family. Yeah. And I have to say this, you know, it's, um, Goodness, I don't know. I've been off meds so long now. I I don't remember, but you know the 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 pain meds weren't working for me. I thought if if I were the type of person to get addicted to pain meds, I'd be addicted absolutely because I was trying everything, um, and uh, I wanted to get off of them because they weren't working anyway. But even if they had been working, I mean, my goodness, I feel so good. My health is so good because I'm not on any medications. I'm not on any pain meds. And, um, and, and it's like, I'm not even tempted because I know that the breathing works. I know that the meditation works these things. So how refreshing it is to be able to be off these pain meds. But I just remember again, going back to those early times, you know, those first few months where I just kept thinking, is this working? Is, is this going to work? Is this just being so fearful that it would and you know just for anybody that's listening to this podcast i just want to encourage you just don't give up don't give up it's worked for other people this this is stuff that that is tried and true and if it works for one it can work for you and the biggest thing you need is courage and conviction and just an attitude of of, of not giving up because I wanted to give up so badly. And I'm so grateful that I didn't give up. I'm so grateful you didn't as well. That was 
That's a, it's such a neat story of hope. And that's what we want to do on this podcast is we want to give people the hope that life can still be okay. So I want to ask you the question, do you still have pain? Yeah. Me too. But, but the experience, <laughs> but the experience is so different. <laughs> it's just so different to be able to live and to thrive not just live, not survive. I'm not surviving. I'm not surviving. I'm thriving to be able to have this life where you have this, but you thrive and you fight and you can look in the mirror and say, I'm a fighter. I'm a fighter. Yeah, I still have this, but I'm a fighter. And doesn't have but the you, experience does it? is so low. I, I'm, I'm down at a two. I mean, you know, hey, it goes up. I have flare ups and I have bad times. And, you know, sometimes it gets really bad, but, you know, it, it always goes down. And this is the way to get it down. The experience, lower the experience. And, um, yeah. So when you started, you said a phrase that I thought was really intriguing you said that when you started with coaching you had to emotionally catch up with it the 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 thoughts that this could be you could be helped by a coach can you tell me about when that happened or do you remember any any part of emotionally catching up with that yeah I think it took three months okay uh, to to happen is I made a commitment uh, that I was going to try this. Um, and I, when I make a commitment, I make a commitment. But it was the only reason I kept going is because of that commitment. Okay. Emotionally, I still didn't feel that this was going to work or that this was going to help. And even when I saw little results, um, the bigger emotion was a fear. So even though I could say to people, well, yeah, I've seen this change a little bit and I've seen that change and, you know, but my pain levels are kind of the same and, but I've seen that, yeah, and this working and that's been working. And, but my fear factor was so high. I think that I would, I had been so discouraged for so long and so despondent and, and, and just so uh, angry, mm-hmm. I guess that, I, I, I couldn't catch up emotionally. I couldn't catch up with the facts that I was seeing and, and the answers that, that were there. And, and, and I, I couldn't, I guess I didn't want to let myself believe emotionally that this was working, even though I knew intellectually I was seeing results intellectually, but I think I was still like, I'm going to prove that it's not going to work. Part of me was like, this isn't going to work either because I've tried everything else. And so, this isn't going to work. And so I had to fight that. I had to fight that, that emotion that this isn't going to work either. There's some of this, some part of me just, I guess I wanted to feel good about giving up. I wanted to feel absolved that I was giving up hope. And even though deep down inside, who, who wants to give up on hope? You know, to me, that's hell. Hell you is know what it's- hope. It's funny that you describe it that way because I told someone the other day when I think back to going through learning the different modalities and everything, I felt like I was stuck between hope and panic. Mm. And I I wanted to hope, but when I hoped, <laughs> when I had that hope, 
um, I also had this panic feeling like if I if I give up cure seeking, if I give up looking for a pill, a surgery, a procedure, I mean, what if I sink in this pit of pain and misery? What if I'm stuck here forever? And so I wanted to hope, but I also had this panic feeling when I started to accept and hope. And I'm I'm hearing you say the same thing. Yeah. Because you know it's it's a scary place to be, and and if if you don't believe it, tell your spouse that you're no longer going to look for a cure. Um, and what do they do? What are we mm-hmm. stuck with you like this? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and um, and and they want they want to have hope, but they want you to have a cure. And we we you know I felt the same way. I wanted to have hope that breathing from the diaphragm, exercising, some reframing my negative automatic thoughts would turn things around. I wanted to have hope, but what I really wanted was a pill, a surgery, a procedure, something quick. Yeah. And coaching's not quick. No. It's time. <laughs> it takes time, like you say, and you start with little tiny steps. And and then you know you have to also educate your loved ones. We're gonna we're gonna think yep. about this in a different way. Yeah, my wife is super supportive, but even the most supportive spouse is gonna say, "Well, how much more of this do you need? <laughs> um, is it or, really helping? Or how much more of this can I take?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you know, they, we all want the quick results, all right. of us. And as Americans, we've been. It's not a good thing. Uh, we are an instant society. We want instant coffee, instant everything. Although we were talking about instant potatoes earlier. <laughs> no instant potatoes. But other No than, instant potatoes. <laughs> but we want instant results of everything. And, you know, this is one thing that our bodies, if we really want to let our bodies heal themselves, it's in the body's time frame and not the American time frame. Right. And we have to shift our thinking there. Uh, in in doing that, yeah. Well, is there any are there any last words that you'd like to say to somebody who might be struggling, whether they want to um, have hope right now? Maybe they're really struggling with pain. Are there any words that you'd like to say to that person? Yeah, um, this is a battle. Um, this is the hardest battle you probably will face in life, or you know, one of the hardest that you ever would. And it's you, you're going to fight all the levels of discouragement uh, that you already have. And even some more, maybe in the future, and it could get worse before it gets better. And this is how many things in life are. It's not what we would choose. It's not what we want. It's what we don't want, but we have it. And so we're now looking at our options of what's the best possible way to change our lives and to thrive again, despite where we are. And uh, I said it earlier, you're going to need to dig down deep to levels of courage that you don't think you have. Mm -hmm. I didn't think I had the courage sufficient, but it's there deeper than you realize it is. Mm-hmm. And there's more to you than you realize. You are stronger than you believe you are. Mm-hmm. 
You can do more than you think you can do. You can become more than you can imagine, but you just quit. You know, in the Second World War, uh, Britain was very discouraged when uh, the Nazis kept their blitzes up, and it looked like Nazi Germany could invade Britain, and Britain could lose its nation. And Winston Churchill simply got on and did this brilliant speech on radio, and he ended it with, never, 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 never give up. And we are built by God for that slogan, never, never, never give up. And if you keep going and you keep doing what's right and you keep getting the encouragement from the coaching and put this stuff into practice, it may take far longer than you want, but it's going to, it's going to be there and you're going to get your life back. And I'm skiing, I'm going to ski this year again. I've been hiking up mountains. I just hiked up Mount Jumbo here in Missoula, Montana. I mean, it's a massive hike. I've been hiking up the tall peaks in the Adirondacks um, and, you know, doing everything, running again. Fantastic. I've been getting back to everything, everything that I used to do. I'm back to doing all of that without fear. I, I just don't have the fear. So don't give up. Keep going. Keep, keep doing it because you're going to be so grateful that you did. And no matter if it takes a year, five years, 10 years, you're going to be so grateful in the end. Thank you so much, Jim. I really appreciate your story of hope today. And it's been fabulous talking to you and watching your progress. And we really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Becky. And, you know, again, thank you for changing my life. And thank you for stepping in. You know, God arranges these things. But... You know, you stepped in exactly at the moment I needed it and and did everything that you, it was just I'm just You're gonna so, make me cry again. <laughs> so, so <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Jim. It was a privilege. It is a privilege. Please don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Always check with your healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I really look forward to talking to you next time, Courageous Survivors, where we will hear another story of hope.